Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. I'm excited to have you all join me this week. My motivational quote today is actually by Ritu Gatori. Probably did not say their name right, but the quote says, It only takes a small amount of courage and hope to take control of your life. What an interesting quote. It actually only uses two quite powerful words for us to gain control in our lives, and those words are courage and hope. So I want you to think about that as we go through the show today. You know, life changes are inevitable, aren't they? We have all experienced a movement from one stage of our life to the next, whether Kids are leaving for college, graduating from college, getting their first or fifth jobs. And to all my parents out there, which I am one, our kids' lives seem to move faster than I think we'd like to admit or maybe see, um, where our kids are growing up and just leaving the nest. So psychologists described empty nest syndrome as a transition period in which many people experience feelings of loneliness or loss. So how do we navigate these uncharted waters as our life stages swiftly pass us by? Well, my guest today believes that with every life, life change, there's an opportunity knocking. What if, there, what if there is a clear path to redefining life after such life-changing events have occurred, and what if that path led led you to the most joyful life ever. Well, my guest today, Karen Otis, um, Karen believes this and has combined her degrees in sociology and architecture to create a guidebook for joyful living that can empower empty nesters and anyone going through any big life transition to create their ideal life experience, and that means starting right now. Karen took this uh, common sociological experience and created a building plan for life, just like we have building plans for any physical structure in this world. She calls the method, she calls the um, uh, the process the archaeological method. Karen is an architect, life builder, and author of the revolutionary new book that uses architectural wisdom to rebuild lives from the grounds up. The name of the book is Be the Architect of Your Life, Design, Build, and Start Living a Life Inspired. So Karen, thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show and sharing this brilliant uh, model or method with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Connie. Now, it's funny, Karen, because you, you, obviously the name of the show, right, my show is Architect of Change. So I loved when your book, um, your publicist reached out to me and I saw the, the topic or the, uh, the title of the book, Be the Architect of Your, of your Life, Design, Build, and Start Living an Inspired Life. I thought, wow, um, this is dead on exactly what the show is about. And then after reading the book, it is totally what the show is about. And the cool thing about it and why I'm super excited to have you on, Karen, is because I think that it's a short book, easy read, but the information is life-changing. So I really thank you for that, and it, it's inspired me. So um, awesome, just awesome. Now, That's before, wonderful to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Really, it was a, an easy read, so, and just filled with so much inspiration and information. Um, before we start, I know you have a quote that you always say, and it really sets the stage for our conversation today. So would you like to share that, and then we'll, we'll jump into our discussion. 
Sure, absolutely. I like to say that we can choose to live in the mundane or we can elevate our life taking the ordinary to extraordinary. And that really is what a life inspired is. That absolutely well said, and I do love that quote. So how did you go personally from being an architect to an inspired life coach um, or, as you put it, a life builder? Right. I know it's, it's unusual, and I get that question often. So it's a great question because many people wonder why would an architect, you know, be doing life building um, or life coaching. And, you know, it started for me um, – uh, years and years ago, I had been married for 12 years, and I found out about my husband at the time about his uh, three-year affair. And I have to tell you, I have never been so devastated in my life. I mean, I am sure a lot of your you know, listeners, a lot of your audience has gone through this. It's not you know, um, simply just, just me, of course, but it can be really, really devastating, and I did not expect it. It came out of nowhere. So I I remember at the time just literally sitting on the kitchen floor, just sobbing and thinking, what am I going to do to put my life together again? I had two young kids that were five and eight years old, um, and I was struggling financially during that whole divorce mess. And more than anything, I realized my entire self-esteem had been shattered. I did not trust my intuition. I was shocked that I didn't see this. Hmm. You know, it's just, um, it's embarrassing, humiliating, um, and you just feel like you've lost yourself. So it was interesting. At that time, I tried everything to fix my life, to put it back together, um, to, you know, try to keep my kids afloat and, and handle their sadness and loss, um, deal with my own stuff, you know, regarding that divorce, but also to try to move forward and maybe find another partner to live my life with, you know, and, and possibly um, date, etc. Well, nothing worked. Nothing worked. And at the time, I felt like a pinball, you know, in a pinball machine, right? Just kind of reacting to everything thrown my way, and it just, it was going nowhere. It was pure chaos. But I noticed that in my professional life as an architect, I'd been an architect, now it's been like 25 years of being an architect, but I things went smoothly and and there was just such fluidity and success and I realized one really important thing in my personal life which was chaos I was just reacting to everything in my professional life those same letters in reacting I turn those around in my professional life and I'm always creating and that right there was the big distinction and I realized if I could find the way to be creating my life rather than reacting to my life, things would really, you know, have a profound change. Was there a moment for you where that clarity of, well, I'm reacting and that's not working and here I'm creating and there's a beautiful flow. Did you literally have that clarity in a moment? Um, I don't think it was in a moment. No, I think I kept seeing the struggles I was having, right? And, um, and you know, you'd, you'd react to, I'd be dating, and then the guy wouldn't call, or my kids would have another fit about just, you know, the, the stuff they were feeling. And I just kept feeling for years and years, like, gosh, I'm getting nowhere. I think the, if there were 
uh, a you know a shift that happened in me I would say it was um, after a long relationship that I did have during my dating years and when that fell apart I was like none of this works none of what I'm doing is working and I think at that point at that new kind of low is where I realized uh, the distinction so it wasn't an exact moment it had kind of been building I think in my thinking and my thoughts and then eventually it became more and more clear and the process after post-divorce years again with the dating and everything did you start to try pieces of the puzzle maybe I'm not asking that you know do, do you understand that question good yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, you know, I think I wasn't even aware cognitively what I was doing, um, that it was actually a step-by-step process. What I initially just realized is, okay, I've got to start creating and stop reacting. And I didn't realize that um, I just immediately went to what I know best, which is architecture, and that is what I started doing. Not aware that that was what I was doing, just knowing I was being more creative in my decision-making rather than, you know, reactionary. But I really didn't realize, wow, I'm following the actual steps I'd use every time I design a building. And it wasn't until I went through all of that and came out on the other side with a very different, wonderful, inspired life that I realized that's what worked. Those eight steps, I actually did them, and my life took a complete turnaround. And then when I started helping other friends and, and family and people that I knew that would ask me for the same kind of help to turn their life around, I realized those eight steps were exactly what I was showing them, and it was having a dramatic effect that was really life-changing for so many people. People. So then you know it became such clarity to write it down and go, okay, what are those exact steps? Yeah, but you had finished the process and then looked back and said, ah, these are the steps. So it really was more intuitive than Absolutely. logic, right? How logical now that we're talking about it, but at the time it was right. really more intuitive. It was much more intuitive, and that, I think, is the key distinction because the architectural method is really about um, stopping our our logical left brain, mm-hmm. having that quiet itself, to allow our right brain, our creative, intuitive, soulful side, really guide us. And, you know, that's what, I do. That's what architecture is. Um, the design process is highly creative and highly intuitive, and, you know, you design a space based on that intuition and then only later as an architect do you get into the whole left brain technical making a set of construction documents that are solidly thorough and meticulous but you can't start out that way if you start out with just the logic you're going to constantly get the same very mundane answer it's like if I sat down and said, I'm going to design this building and I, I'm just going to go straight to construction documents, it's not going to have any of the spirit, the pizzazz, the like design integrity in it because I've left out that whole part of my, my thinking and that whole part of feeling. Um, and so that needs to be what governs at the beginning and only later can you really merge the two. 
And that's so cool because really your life, your education, your uh, work experience, it's just so ironic that usually we say a life inspired starts with having a passion and then going after that as a business. You had the passion, right? Now you had to meld that with your life and the process in your life. So I just love that. And Karen, I think we forget that if we listen to our gut, it's usually guiding us in the correct direction. And I think we, we use our brain too much, and that stifles what you experienced, again, as you, after you went through it. And you look back, you're like, holy crap, look at that. It's my process. Right. So we keep talking about the process. Now, can you um, share with everybody exactly what those eight steps are? And then we might have to, t we're about 12 minutes in. So um, after you share that, we'll, we take a break, and then we can talk about each of the steps and the importance of them, okay? Right, absolutely, that makes sense. Um, so the, the eight steps, the first one is site study, and, uh, and we'll go, I can go into that one a little deeper once we get back. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is exploring historical models. The third is creating a wish list. The fourth is absorbing all of it. And the fifth is envisioning a vision. Then in step six, we begin to draw. Seven, we allow that vision to really lead. And the final step is definition is in the details. So literally seven steps before you get into the logic detail, right? Yes, absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. Seven steps before you really get into that logic and bring your left brain in. Is one step more important than another, or are they truly equally kind of important, would you say? I think they're equally important. They're equally important. Um, if anything, if there has to be one that's more important, I'd say it's step one. Site study is probably the most important, but the rest follow very closely behind are probably all equally important, step wait, two, wait. seven, and eight. We have a couple of minutes. So talk about the site study, the importance of that, I guess, right out of the gate, right? Yeah, so the importance of that is as an architect, we look at a site. When I first start to do a building, I look at that site. What is important to keep? What is something, an attribute I want to enhance? Maybe there's a beautiful ocean view, um, you know, maybe a creek running through it. And what are the things, this is even more important, what are the things that are not so great on that site? And the biggest question is, are they permanent? And we tend to think everything is, but then when we really look deeper, we might find out it's not. It's actually something that could be changed. It is something that could be um, moved or changed or demolished from our site, um, from the site as an architect. And when we start to do that to our lives, it's a really important step. Given a, can you give an example of how to use that in a because that makes total yeah. sense to me, right? If there's a pool in the yard, yeah. but the pool is positioned wrong, you get right. rid of the pool. So, okay. Exactly. So, right. So, in terms of architecture, it's like I give the example of there's a pool there, and the client wanted to keep it, even though it was very dilapidated, and we were building a house kind of around this pool. Well, no matter what I did, the design would not flow. It just didn't. It didn't flow. Things didn't look quite right. It just wasn't. I wasn't feeling it. Right. So, what I did is I thought, okay. Okay, let's imagine removing this pool. We can always build another one because the cost of fixing that one would have been extravagant anyway. Um, and then when I did that and I removed the pool, thinking that it, 
originally thinking it was permanent, then realizing it was not, and it was changeable. And once I did that, the design completely flowed. Now, in terms of our personal lives, an example would be when I, uh, when I work with some people, they think, for example, their job is permanent. It's fixed. They've been there for 20 years. That's not something they want to change. But sometimes when they really evaluate it and look at it and think, I don't even love this. What am I doing? And look at some other options. It, it could very well be changeable in a way that would be you know, beneficial to their lives, not a detriment at all. And it's interesting. I have uh, my second son is going to start college. So in September, uh, this is why I was giggling with my uh, intro, the empty nester. My husband and I are going to be empty nesters in September and kind of looking forward to that chapter and also a little apprehensive. But one of the things we're we're thinking about is we don't need to live in the town that we're living in because we came here for the schools and now my kids are in college. And do we take some of the equity and then use that to pay for college? And so we're at a major crossroad. And I have to tell you, the thought of leaving my house makes me sick to my stomach. But I read your book. uh, Yeah, right. You get where I'm going. And I read your book on vacation. And I thought, wait a minute, that's not a fix. I'm attached to the house because my kids grew up here. They were born here. Right. My husband and I built a beautiful life here. They got this great education here. My mom and dad don't live too far away. My mom and dad are still living. So there's a tremendous emotional connection. But that doesn't mean I have to move far from my parents, right? And I can't create new memories. So am I understanding that? Absolutely. And I can so relate. And and I talk about this in the book as well. My personal experience with it is I had a home I lived in that my kids were raised in. um, And I lived there for 25 years. Lived there with my husband, et cetera. And... I hung on to that house like with claws from the divorce. That's the only thing I wanted, you know. And I and so in my mind, I was never leaving that house because that became kind of like my security blanket in in sure. a way, right? It was the one thing that made me feel stable no matter what other chaos was going on. Well, eventually I met the love of my life, who I'm with now, Jeff. And um, you know, when we first met, like eight years ago, we um, we each lived 45 minutes away from each other, and we dated, and you know, people would say that's geographically undesirable. Well, once we each became empty nesters, it was time to decide, okay, what are we doing? Are we going to live in your house? Are we going to live in my house? Are we going to get a different house? What are we doing? And I thought, well, of course we're going to live in mine. I'm never moving, remember? <laughs> and that was keeping this relationship from moving forward. Um, he loved his city of Redondo Beach. I had loved my home and thought I would never leave. And I had to start thinking of my home as possibly something that was changeable because mm-hmm. in my mind it was 100% fixed. And when I made the decision that I can do this, I can leave this home, um, I moved to Redondo Beach. We actually tore down most of his house and rebuilt a home together that is beautiful, that we enjoy every single day. And had I not changed my sight in my sight study, had I not allowed myself to think of it as changeable, I'd continue to be stuck. And, and I have to, we have to take a break, but I have to tell you, it's hard. When and I'm reading it, I, even as I'm reading it, I'm going, oh, that makes so much sense. It's an emotional connection. It's not a fixed in your sight. And then I'm like, yeah, but I really like the house. 
and and you really have to go through this self-talk of saying, you know, is it the best thing for us? So it's just that was a great example. And yes, I know in the book. And by the way, the, the pictures in the book of your home now, after all of it, literally knocking the house down and rebuilding, is just lovely. Um, so see what you can create when you let go of, and in some cases, an anchor. Right? That's exactly what it was exactly. for you. And, yeah, yeah. Let, literally, like, um, I mean, you need to let go to make room for change that's exactly right and it's not so easy to do because us humans we like our stuff that fe- makes us feel safe and, and comfy right so, Absolutely. It's hard. Yeah. it is we're talking about hard stuff here so let's take a quick break Karen and then when we come back um, we'll talk about the uh, give a little uh, each of the other seven steps I, that was great that that uh, description for step one we'll do that for this uh, seven where we can um, cover that so people really understand the importance of the process Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, trainings, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. We are back. We are speaking with Karen Otis, and we're talking about her architectural method, which is really less about the architecture of a building. It is. It's the foundation of it. But we're really talking about it and how to use that on the personal side. And her new book, Be the Architect of Your Life, Design, Design, Build, and Start Living a Life Inspired. And really, the book speaks to that, and it's, it's almost like a little guidebook, Karen, which I thought was kind of cool also. So what step one was the site study, great examples, and we both, uh, I think, shared some personal examples about how we really need to learn to let go of things and, and make room. I like how you said at the end, make room for the new stuff, right, the new adventures. So exactly. step two. And, and I will say, if I can just interrupt you yeah, for just a moment, and say, when you said, oh, th- right before the break, you said this is hard stuff. And mm-hmm. I just want to point out that, you're absolutely right, and that change does not come easy to us. And so as people are going through these eight steps, they need to know that it's okay. They're going to feel that discomfort because you're, you know, you're taking your thinking in a different way. You're really stepping out of your familiarity, and that will be uncomfortable, but that is a natural part of the process. If, if, if you stop the minute you feel uncomfortable, you're going to get nowhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. And change, as soon as you start challenging the comfort zone, that's really where the, where the magic happens. But we're all afraid to do that because <laughs> we're yes. creatures of habit. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Um, yes. So step number two, you said, is explore historical models. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to what that is? 
Yeah, absolutely. So architecture, which I just love, and I, I have to say I still work and you know in architecture and creating buildings every single day. And some of what really has always thrilled me about it is it doesn't just come out of nowhere. It has such a rich history. You know, we we had um, where walls became then columns. We had you know Greek and Roman, Egyptian architecture. All of that eventually led to more contemporary architecture, etc. So it, it's not like you're designing in a vacuum. Every time I start a building, I look at what is the pro, you know, what is the archetype, I should say, and what is the history of that archetype? You know, if it's a home, you know, what is the history of, let's say, a sea- seaside home, and or what is the history of um, a? Uh, right now, I'm working on some surgery centers. What is the history of that? So we look at our history in order to move forward and create something new. And the same applies to us as human beings. We don't just land here at this age and just have no history. We have a very rich history. Some of it may have been tough or problematic or we were guided wrong or we took a wrong turn. Um, Whatever it might be, we may have lost our passion along the way and we're kind of misguided right now. That history is super important. So in evaluating your history, I, I ask people to look at what patterns have really led you to where you are today? You know, is there something that you have done repeatedly, which is just in your nature or in your comfort zone to repeat over and over again? And how have you arrived at this place of disappointment or unhappiness or in this mundane existence, how did you get here? And that is very telling. And oftentimes there's something in that, a pattern that's happening that is no longer serving us. And we really need to evaluate it and change that. And it, it's true. We have. To, I, I do believe everybody should learn how to self-assess. And that's kind of like, if I'm understanding you, that's kind of like what you're saying. We have to kind of look at what did we do, what worked, keep doing that. If it didn't work, you need to change it. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over right. and thinking you're going to get some miraculously different results. It's crazy. So, um, right. yeah, explore your historical models. I like that. It gives us a foundation of... Um, what our path has been, and again, if it's not working, why? Step right. three. And, and as that, a, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to give a quick personal example of that so people can really kind of, it can resonate with them. You know, I realized when I was doing my work that, um, wow, I am really using a pattern that is not serving me. And I was constantly choosing to date and be in a relationship with men who were kind of needy. You know, I'm a very nurturing person, and I think I attract that then. And so um, they really wanted me to kind of fix them. But in the end, what I started to see with this pattern is that changed the dynamic to where I no longer really respected them because they were kind of always falling apart. Mm. And I had to realize this pattern does not serve me. And I understand why I'm doing it because it's super familiar to me. Mm. Um, And so it almost like as time goes on, your pattern gets bigger and bigger, right? It, it, It becomes even more strong because it's familiar. And I had to realize maybe I, I'm thinking I need this weaker man because I have a you know, strong, independent personality and therefore I can kind of do what I would like, um, you know, be inv- involved in the decision making. But I realized, well, maybe what I need is an equally strong man. 
that can kind of stand on his own and not need me in that way, but then we both want to be with each other and enjoy each other. And also challenge you. Exactly. Right. And that was... That for me was the biggest change, and you know Jeff, who I um, who I mentioned prior, before, is uh, completely different from anybody I'd ever dated before that. He is that strong man that um, I thought strong man meant controlling man, and that does not the case. Um, a strong man has no need to be controlling. So I realized that that pattern, why I was doing it, and I made the decision to stop doing it, and when I redirected and changed, then it opened the gates for some very new, wonderful things to happen. Yeah, again, not an easy step to go through because you really have to peel back your own onion and, and look at it raw and say, hmm, you know, what's going on here? So it's just, the whole process is interesting. We have about four minutes left, but I do want to get through um, the steps. So the next step is create a wish list. Um, Yeah, we may not be able to get to all, but I can summarize the rest. I'll go through the third step, which is create a wish list. This is an important one that they all are, but this one is, um, can really... um, uh, discover or uncover what you really want or need. So in architecture, I ask clients, you know, create a wish list for what they want in their home. Do they want it more open? Do they want a more formal setting and, you know, compartmentalized, etc. And sometimes I find that clients, though, are more concerned about resale. And what I say to them is, you know, of course, resale is always important, but that's really about future people's wishes, not your own. And you're never going to find that true happiness unless you discover what makes you happy, create your wish list, and use that in the building of your life. So for people, for your audience, I would say, you know, Write down what it is you do want. What is your wish list? What do you want that life inspired to look like? And there isn't one right answer. It's different for everybody. It might be that you want to um, have more freedom in your work and be able to travel. It might be, no, you want to really get some roots and, and, and have a place that you call home and surround yourself with family and friends. It, it can be very different things. But creating that wish list is vital because we get lost kind of in the day-to-day, right? And we just kind of mosey along on our on our routine, but we don't stop and go. Is this really what I wanted? Is this my wish list? So it's important to do that. And Karen, don't you find that people do what they think they should be doing because of whatever influences a parent? You know, like my my son's uh, one. He knew what he wanted to do in college. My little guy. He's going in undeclared, and he, he at first he was like, uh, what should I pick? I said, go and explore. It's not about, mm-hmm. how do you know what you want at 17? So go and explore. It, you're not wasting time because you're discovering yourself. But how many parents, you know, I'm a doctor, you should be a doctor. I'm an attorney, you should be an attorney. Um, so we, we live up to other people's agendas and not our right. own. I, do you see that a lot in your Absolutely, with your absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people I work with, you know, they, for example, they went into a family business as it was expected, and they didn't get a chance to develop their wish list. And what I like to say is make sure the wishes you choose are yours, not somebody else's. Absolutely. So it shouldn't be somebody else's expectation for you, what they would like for you. It needs to be what really lights you up, you know, what sure. resonates in your soul. Get your soul, invite your soul into the decision-making, which means dig deep as to what is it that you love, what is your passion what do you love to do that you literally lose 
track of time when you're doing it. Mm. That is your wish. That's what your soul really wants to be doing. Yeah, I love it. I just love it. And then we have a couple of more steps, and we just have a couple of minutes, so I'll let you, I won't say anything, I'll let you kind of cover that. Okay. Well, the rest <laughs> of the steps are, are a lot of techniques to really start to quiet your left side of your brain. Um, so they are steps like, you know, um, absorbing what it is that you're learning, your wish list, etc., really quieting the left brain, allowing your right brain to be what surfaces, which is where your intuition lies, allowing that creative, intuitive side to bring itself to the surface so you can actually hear it, and then taking that and going from you know, very artistic, creative thinking and slowly moving towards the more um, clear, logical side, which is how we go from, you know, from creating a vision to then actually putting it into a concrete plan, mm-hmm. you know, a set of construction documents. Because we don't want to have this vision that just stays at, as a dream or as a fantasy or as a wish. We want to then take it and make it reality. So this, the last part of it, the eighth step, really is about doing that. You know, you, we create a vision, we do a vision board, um, which I think is amazing. I will say, you know, my daughter and I each did one years ago, and when I moved my home to where Jeff is, um, I saw those vision boards. They had been up in each of our rooms, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't really need these right now. I actually accomplished everything on there, and so did my daughter. Wow. And, yeah, I mean, it was to the point of writing a book, to building a house. I mean, it was incredible. Um, So once we do that, though, we want to take it from just a vision into that reality. And the way to do that is with a very meticulous set of sort of action steps, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. target dates. And I mean, when we do a set of construction drawings as an architect, it's basically an instruction manual, you know, like a super defined Ikea manual, right? That you're going to hand over to the contractor to build. And it needs to be as clear as day. And the same goes for our life plan. The, the making that happen, the set of drawings, or, you know, and that I'm saying that metaphorically, but the set of action steps to make your life what you want it to be needs to be really clear. It might be you need to go study a certain thing. It might be to get a mentor in what you're looking to do. You know, it, it can be a variety of things, but you, you dig deep to find out what is your passion and purpose, and then you get even deeper to make those action steps as clear as you can. Yeah, and Karen, it, it, it's you have to create your own manual, whatever that is for you, because everybody's you know a little bit different. Yeah. But that manual is the accountability for yourself by having those deadlines and things like you said um, in your action steps. So you do hold yourself accountable. And you know, I think everybody thinks like now, right? You have this just brilliant, beautiful life, and how blessed, right? I know, and I know you feel that way. You express that in the book yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of crap you had to go through, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, to come out the other side and create this book and, and all of these beautiful things that you now have in your life. Um, there's no magic pill. There's no magic switch that anybody can go in. But And, and this is my last comment about your book and, and why I liked it so much. I love the eight steps because it's factual. I mean, it works for building building a structure. How How could it not help? us get clarity in building our 
lives or the inspired lives that we all deserve. So um, again, I, I just I thought your book was was truly brilliant, and you know you re- and I loved your examples like the pool, um, you know the the pictures of your house that you included. It was also a very personal book, so I enjoyed that aspect because I felt like I got to know you as well, and it humanized the book for me that you know this lady's been through a lot of crap in her life too, and there, oh, yeah. there is there's a, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So I I I loved how you balanced the the technical with the personal, and just well done, Karen. I just, I truly enjoyed it. I thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. Um, if I can mention one thing, you know, yes. when we walk into a building, and this is just the sort of feeling or sentiment I would love your audience to get, when you walk into what I call architecture, right, not just plain mundane building like the supermarket, when you walk into a beautiful piece of architecture, let's say this gorgeous cathedral built, you know, hundreds of years ago, you literally, your breath literally catches, you know, you walk mm-hmm. in and you're like, oh, this is magnificent. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we've then elevated our experience by walking into that. But that building was not created overnight, and a whole lot of thought and creativity and intuitive thinking went into creating it. So let's take that into our lives. Don't settle for that mundane life that you could just, you know, could be practical and decent and you just kind of go through the motions. Really choose to put in that creativity and then do the work to build it and create a life that also makes you catch your breath, that is just as breathtaking and inspired as that piece of architecture was. You know, and and I love how you said it doesn't happen overnight because I do, I think we are a society of the quick fixes and to have a life inspired, it's not a quick fix. And I, and I say to my kids all the time, stop focusing on whatever this minutia is that we get caught up in every day. And I say to them, zoom out 10 years from now. You're going to be, you might not even be thinking about majoring in this or whatever it is, right, that they're dealing with. Um, 10 years from now, your life could be like totally opposite. So don't limit, don't limit your view, your perspective or your, or your point of view and just constantly experiment and explore and learn and grow because that, that creates the life inspired. It's not easy. I, you know, I know my listeners, it, this isn't easy stuff. <laughs> But you got to do it. You deserve. Let me say, you don't not got to do it. You you deserve. Everybody deserves um, to live a life inspired. So, uh, last thing, Karen, Absolutely. I just want to give. I, I want to give your website, and you know everybody. My routine. I will put it on the architect uh, architect of change web talk radio um, platform, so you could click and go. But it's be the architect of your life dot com, and also you're giving a free blueprint at lifeinspiredblueprint.com, dot com, right? Right. If they just go to Life Inspired Blueprint, it's a free blueprint of those eight steps. And literally, your audience could be, you know, by this evening doing their site study, doing step Love it. one. Love so it. it's, it's a wonderful thing to get started. And I, I, I hope your viewers, you know, do that and really are starting the journey toward their Life Inspired. I love it. And, of course, I recommend the book because I loved the um, examples. It made me 
get my wrap my head around the eight steps and you give just really nice examples and I'm like and that's when I figured out about my house it, it, the light bulb went off and I was like wait a minute this isn't fixed oh my god right so again I like the examples and but the free blueprint again if if that's your your thing it certainly is a, a usable tool that they could start using immediately um, and guys right. and the book itself is really like a workbook so there's some exercises in there that are that are really useful Absolutely. And I wrote all the exercises down, by the way, separately, because I'm an anal lunatic, Karen. Um, yeah, I love it. Again, it's a, it's a real work in progress. And again, I love tools that help us accomplish that. Um, everybody, if you need my help or you want to share a story or you want to give feedback on the shows, I am available. You can email me directly at Connie at com, And of course, I do respond to those emails personally. So share your stories, man. I'm here. I'm listening. Okay. Uh, Karen, I, I can't thank you again for just a great show and our time together and um, thank you thank you again for a brilliant book sharing a brilliant book with the world it was needed thank you it was such a pleasure yeah same here and I hope you will all join me weekly as we question build notice my word build in there and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that change is possible and easier than we often think and today is an example of that another tool that my guest Karen Otis has shared with us um, thank you again for your inspiration and insights and thank you all for joining me you've been listening to Architect of Change with me your host Connie Whitman on Web Talk Radio Net. Please go out and use that blueprint and have an inspired week. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.